It's seven o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? Don't wanna hear it. Don't wanna hear it. Don't wanna hear it. Now, 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 now. Don't wanna hear it. Don't wanna hear it. Don't wanna hear it. Now, 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 now. We had it all. And we can see. If you had the thing, you might have had one more chance. You take it back now. You take it back now. You take it back now. Welcome to another episode of the Psycho Semantic Cast. Before we get started on the roundtable discussion that uh, Misty, Vanessa, Doug, and I had, I wanted to introduce the corrections department. Right now, it's just going to be things I've noticed in conversations uh, while editing, but I will also include if people let me know that they've heard a mistake, I will try to add those in. It happens. Sometimes people misspeak. You know, we don't often have our uh, source material at hand. It's not a big deal. Some of it's probably going to be funny, but uh, just so you're not like, what the fuck was that? That's what the fuck that was. So thanks. And here we go. Or as Howard Dean would say, from the corrections department, Roman Polanski lives in Poland and it was Xerxes who had his soldiers whip the sea. Though there is a similar story about Caligula. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. Welcome, Vanessa and Doug, and welcome to all you to another episode of the Psychosemantic Podcast. We are going to talk about something that nobody talks about. Uh, I was kidding, because I I think everybody's been talking about this lately. But we are going to talk about what the fuck is going on with all powerful people with cocks. A.K.A. Uh, can you separate the art from the artist? And if you do, how do you do it? And in what varying ways? This is going to be bouncing probably between Hollywood and Washington. And some of those go hand in hand. But to do this, since I am always at a loss for words, I have got two great, wonderful guests to carry all the workload for me. And, uh, hi, Doug. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Darren. How you doing? This is my first appearance. I'm very excited. It is. I was hoping I'd be able to get you on for something maybe a little bit more lighthearted later <laughs> on. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I guess, uh, I mean, Vanessa's first appearance on here, we did uh, a little happy-go-lucky documentary about <laughs> some kids called the Central Park Five. Oh. Uh, wrongful convictions yay <laughs> yeah <laughs> look i don't want to take a devil's advocate approach here but no i'm just kidding i mean that's that 2017 isn't a year i mean it, 
to me, if you are not being political in 2017, then you're not paying attention. And it, I often feel when I'm being lighthearted on other podcasts that I'm somewhat betraying the, the actual climate that's going on. Uh, and, and I feel that politics have creeped into even my, my podcasts that tend to be lighthearted because it's just inescapable. It's, it's everywhere. And I, I know, yeah, right. Vanessa? Even, even when you, even when you try to stay away from it, it's, it is inevitable. There's even people who don't usually care are starting to care and are mm. starting to talk about it. It's not like, yeah, I know I've one of those people that yes, as much as I love my cult and exploitation movies, I still have part of my, you know, part of my brain is still going into academic, you know, socio-political mode, but that's, and that's just how I am, but I know I'm a minority, but when you have people who aren't in that mode talking about things, you know something big is going on. This subject in particular that we're kind of speaking about, it's not like it's a new subject. It's just, um, it's the the boil that is starting <laughs> to come to the surface. <laughs> it's getting it impossible to ignore. Exactly, exactly. You know, one thing I was thinking this morning was that Look, there's no doubt about it that the political climate in the United States, and I should mention, by the way, that I'm Canadian uh, right up front, but the and the political climate in Canada, there's many, many issues there, which probably a lot of Americans are not necessarily interested in or aware of. But the U.S. political climate is so toxic right now that uh, when it comes to the abuses that we're going to be talking about on this podcast, it's it's difficult to get away from the fact that this is actually a good thing that's happening. I know that that might be a kind of twisted way to look at it but the, but the fact that this is coming out and this is coming to the forefront the, as as you were just mentioning this isn't new this has been bubbling this has been festering for a long time the fact that it's getting called out and that it's starting to have visible consequences that should be seen as a good thing the fact that a lot of people's heroes are being brought down on a daily or weekly or monthly basis I understand that that can be emotionally affecting and almost physically affecting, but this overall is a good thing. The question is whether this is a temporary step, whether it's going to be a, a forward movement or this is just going to be, you know, 2017 is the year where a handful of Hollywood creeps got exposed and then 2018 will be a year when celebrities will just start dying again. Like the glorious happy year of 2016. We we were so innocent back then. <laughs> Uh, sure, if you want to say that. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think I think I think November of last year kind of destroyed that. <laughs> I mean, it feels like a different In world, the States right? <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, I think that's also kind of a, a, a one of those things where it it'll, it creates this kind of false impression that there's this like there was this wall that slammed down, just to use a shitty metaphor, um, where where suddenly there was a before time and an after time. But I mean, I, that kind of discounts the fact that this was all kind of leading into the events of 2017. That there was a lot of evidence there. There was a lot of of, uh, of quiet rumblings, especially about the issue that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. And it's right. we I don't even know if we're going to we very well could talk for or very well could. Where the fuck am I from? Um, <laughs> we very well might talk <laughs> For hours about this, and we will have to come back and continue. I'm going to be checking my phone while we're doing this, because who the fuck knows what's going to happen. Sure. And like I said, I wanted to put together a bit of a roundtable on this. I think the uh, 
Misty was going to join us. Um, and now she says she can. Uh, she had said that she didn't think she was going to. Uh, are you guys okay with me uh, adding her into this phone call right yeah, let's now? Let's turn this triangle table into a square yeah. table. Sure. All right. Or a rhombus. <laughs> Some sort of parallelogram. I was really hoping that Darren was going to be able to get someone who, not that they were pro-abuse, but that they... Honestly, I was hoping he was going to find someone a little more ignorant to put on the, this panel so we could all tear into them. But uh, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> I guess we'll we'll see where the nuance lies once we start talking about it. Maybe there will be a rebuttal, a rebuttal yeah. conversation. Sorry but about that. No worries. I'm glad you could join us. We had just gotten started. Um, I have no idea how many of you have had conversations with each other before. So just Vanessa, Misty, Doug. All welcome to the show. And, uh, <laughs> pleased to meet each other. <laughs> this is my first conversation with anyone on this table except for you, Darren. And for you, I basically just made you talk about Eric Roberts for ninety minutes. Well, that was that was fun. <laughs> it, was, it was it was a good chat. It was a good chat. I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> I've talked to I've talked to Darren quite a lot on chat. I've mainly just sort of commented back and forth with Vanessa on like yeah. Facebook and shit. Yeah. But uh, nice to meet you all anyway. Yes. Darren Absolutely. and I have talked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we have. Yeah. Which, is, which is good. Uh, I think one of my downfall, I think it's a blessing and a curse that I have different ho- co-hosts all the time. But oftentimes the first conversation, there's a lot more getting used to each other's speech patterns mm-hmm. and sure. step, yeah. stepping all over everything. Um, I'll just warn you guys ahead of time. I really really fucking high (laughs) (laughs) that's you know it's so funny because my wife and i were going to get really high last night and one of the reasons that we didn't is because i knew i was going to have to record this today (laughs) (laughs) that's okay i'm moderately high so (laughs) we 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 we, i went to book club today and uh it went late and we couldn't get a taxi and i had like five glasses of wine and then I had to call Ben to pick me up because there was no taxi. They're like, oh, yeah, there'll be one at quarter to nine. And we're like, yeah, nah. (laughs) (laughs) When we got home, I was just like, yeah, we should have a smoke. And I didn't know for sure if I was going to be able to make it because I am supposed to be having this big talk with my daughter tonight. Um, But she's at a friend's house. So I thought, yeah, I can make it. (laughs) (laughs) If you have to bail, just just let us know. I'm I'm glad I could get. I mean, we've got Canada, we've got New York, and we've got where? Where in the UK do you live? Um, I am in Lincoln. It's next to Nottingham. Okay. Of yeah. uh, Robin Hood fame. Yes, <laughs> yes. They have this Robin Hood festival there every year, and everybody dresses up all like Robin Hood and shit, and they have jousting and like <laughs> little reenactments and shit. It's fucking. You know, for Stoner being hilarious, it's just like, oh, oh my God, it's Maid Marian. Oh my God, it's also Maid Marian. <laughs> <laughs> the cool stuff that, I mean, they do have like these old timey people that teach you how to like skin animals like they did back in the day and make baskets and shit. So that's, I mean, that's fairly cool, but still it's, it's an experience. <laughs> <laughs> They they teach you how to make baskets out of animals, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> okay, guys, where'd I put my lighter? 
(laughs) (laughs) Welcome all to another episode of the Psycho-Semantic Podcast. We are going to ramble our way and rant our way through as much as we can. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to be checking to see if any more shoes drop. The time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Because when I first started thinking about putting this episode together, it was when I noticed everywhere I went, people were arguing about uh, Victor Salva. Right. That, that was when I started noticing there was a whole lot of, you know, fuck that guy. You can't watch any of his movies because that means you support pedophilia. There's the other people that say... Well, not really, but I take a personal stance and I don't want to watch his things. And that's my choice. You can make your choice. I'm not going to give you shit about it. And then there seems to be at least one other camp that's like, you have to watch all this because everybody's pissing and moaning about nothing. And uh, does anybody else notice? A, no, did anybody else notice sort of a camp of thought uh, that I didn't mention or that doesn't fall somewhere in between these? I mean, I think everything would fall in between those to some extent. I mean, I think there are people who take a hard line in regards to, I'm just going to watch whatever I want, and I disconnect the uh, the actions of the people creating that art when I, when I imbue it. So, I mean, I think that's kind of the hard line stance, but I don't think anyone on this particular recording has that view. <laughs> I, I started to realize that I have some people that are, for example, newly uh, discovered accusations uh, against Kevin Spacey. Mm. I find it harder to believe his characters when they are good people. I mean, one of the things that that I found, and this is this speaks exactly to that, is say watching Baby Driver, right? Which is a movie that I think a lot of people really enjoy it's from this year it's fairly recent features kevin spacey and and his character in that movie um is sort of he kind of plays the middle he has some sympathetic aspects to him but when you watch the movie now it's about this creepy older guy who's manipulating a young man right into doing what he wants and it's hard i think for me impossible to disconnect that from the actions of real life and again it's just it's not reflecting it one to one but this is the person who abused people, and here he is doing abusive things in this movie. I don't know how anyone can disconnect that. I think it's harder when you're talking about disconnecting an actor or some sort of on-screen presence sure. from their actions compared mm-hmm. to a director or a producer. I mean, like, Harvey Weinstein's a fucking monster. I know people who worked with him who didn't witness anything, but they knew he was a creep, you know? <laughs> I mean, I think they knew that there were enough rumors and stuff that something might be happening. Oh, God, yeah. It's the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But am I going to stop watching something that was a Weinstein produced movie? That's a hard, that's, that I can, that's easier for me to separate than if it's someone who was on screen. I think sometimes that's the case. I mean, I, I think usually, particularly when it comes to producers as opposed to directors. I mean, right. you know, someone like Woody Allen, who I'm sure we're going to 
speak to, who yeah. uses a lot of his real life content and real life uh, actions, I should say, and puts that into his films, or even someone like Roman Polanski. I mean, when you watch a movie like Chinatown, I mean, certainly you're getting the Robert Town script, you're getting the cinematography, you're getting the performances, but you know, the fact that there's this incestuous plot at the center, even though he's not, uh, Roman Polanski himself wasn't, uh, wasn't responsible for that, when you see that kind of content in one of his movies, th that immediately to me, it's like, oh, that's right. This is the guy who sodomized a 13 year old at the house of the lead actor in the movie that we're watching right now. Right. And then it just comes tumbling down. doesn't matter that it's one of my favorite movies or one of the greatest movies ever made. That disconnect doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah. I, Polanski is the one for that I struggle with, honestly. I don't, I'm sorry, Rosemary's Baby is still one of my favorite movies and I will watch it. But I can't watch his later stuff. I, yeah, and something like Chinatown, where he even is on screen. Yeah. Mm. You know, that makes it harder. I mean, Tess of the Gerbervilles, as much as I, I love that. I mean, the fact that he was with Natasha Kinski and she was 15, mm. you know, and they had their relationship. That is a very difficult, I can't watch that anymore. Absolutely not. I was just thinking, I forgot that this even happened, but uh, Darren, you might be able to correct me on this. Isn't Roman Polanski in Rush Hour 2 as an actor? So then you have the Brett Ratner <laughs> connection and the Roman Polanski. Now that's a tainted fucking movie at this point. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, I think he is. It's it. I, I'll be honest, it has been, I have let my watchings of Rush Hour fall by the wayside. <laughs> uh, I haven't been keeping just, up just with just it. Just confirming that here. Yeah, he's in Rush Hour 3. Either way, that's a that's a tainted franchise. Then again, it's just like what you were referring to. I mean, the stories about Brett Ratner were look, I I'm getting a little antsy with that term open secret because it implies that everybody knew about it. And in some of these cases, like with Harvey Weinstein, it really did seem like everyone did. And with Brett Ratner, I've been hearing stories for years and Kevin Spacey too. But then there's like it's like, is it open or is it within a closed group that they were all talking about it? And then again, some of these still kind of knocked me over when I heard about it because I just had no previous expectations of scummy behavior. Okay. I just, I, I have a lot I can say about Polanski and it didn't help that to, earlier today, I mean, I was doing work, but in the background I was rewatching the two different, like whatever Roman Polanski documentaries about the entire case. And it's, I mean, it, there's so much that's just problematic about the entire situation. And for me, I, just my view of the, some of my view about the, our criminal justice system, that doesn't help this situation. Um, Cause you really want to see justice done, but the case just fucked from the beginning on so many different levels because of a judge who, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't care for those documentaries at all. I, I have watched them, uh, yeah. and I understand exactly what you're saying uh, in regards to him being kind of railroaded in those cases. But I always think that that's kind of like, you know, you're right. I mean, especially in the in the face of over the last few months where new accusers as young as 10 have come forward in regards to him, it sort of undoes any sort of odd defense that they try to make in those movies. Right. Well, and, and but it's just the victim never gets the proper justice. That's absolutely the case. And that's what is so frustrating to see, you know, things like that uncovered. Because, yeah, Polanski, whatever sentence he was going to get and what 
ever time he did actually serve was a ridiculous slap on the wrist. Yes, absolutely. No way around that. But it's just fucked up. And And I think you can see so many of these cases why they haven't come forward before, you know, Mm. before now is so much of the, the victims thinking they won't be believed or, okay, it's going to go to court and I'm just going to lose anyway for whatever reason, because these people, these guys are so big and powerful and rich. Absolutely. And I think, especially over the last six months or so, that now victims, uh, even aside from, from those issues, which are going to be continuing issues, I think, uh, I, sadly, for as long as these accusations continue. But over the last six months, I feel like some people might be worried about becoming part of a pool of accusers, right? That they're not individuals anymore. They're right. just part of the group that are accusing others. Um, I mean, when celebrities accuse other celebrities, that makes a lot of, of noise. But when it's just, you know, the, the, the second AD on a movie who was sexually assaulted, suddenly it becomes about the uh, um, accused rather than the accuser, just, just like you were just saying. And it's, it really is, you can see it happening more and more even over the last couple of months. And it's, it's getting really depressing. My first real awareness of, you know, sexual impropriety or sexual abuse in the world of Hollywood would probably have to be the whole Woody Allen thing. Um, I know we vary in ages, but uh, what was everybody else's? Mine mine was probably the same. It was either the Woody Allen thing or, um, oh shit, what was it? (laughs) Um, It was, it, it would have been the Woody Allen thing. That would have been when I was at my youngest, when he took off with his stepdaughter and uh, everyone just sort of freaked out about it and then excused it very quickly. Mm. Yeah, it seems to become a joke really fast. Yeah, yeah. Same with you, Vanessa? Um, Probably about that same time, but it was, I was also just simultaneously becoming aware of the Roma Polanski case as well. So it wasn't just one predator. <laughs> it was two. So you, you Interestingly had connected to by Mia Farrow, but you know. <laughs> oh, Mia Farrow. Mr. Tilly. Um, it's a little hard to say. Certainly when I was in my late teens, early 20s, and I was getting a lot more interested in film and filmmaking, the Woody Allen thing, the Woody Allen thing at that point was sort of pushed to the side. People really were not talking about it very often because that, that was before the kind of further accusations were, uh, were, were kind of made plain. I mean, it, to me, as you were referring to, it was kind of a joke, but, uh, but it was kind of like, oh, Woody Allen did this crazy thing and now he's just going on and continuing to make mediocre movies for the most part. But my first recognition in regards to this as sort of an issue might have been, and this is really disconnected, but it, it probably has some connections, is Jeffrey Jones from Ferris uh, oh. Bueller's Day Off and Howard the Duck and, and his child pornography uh, uh, experience um, and his charges and convictions and the fact that, you know, he rightfully got basically removed entirely from Hollywood. The last movie I remember seeing him in any capacity was probably Ravenous, something like that, right around that time period. Um, and, and that, because that was an actor that I had seen in so many of the films growing that I, I enjoyed growing up, that, that's, you know, it kind of hit me that, oh yeah, these are, there are some awful people in this industry and 
And I think that when accusations uh, happen against people that you have some affinity for, whether it be through nostalgia or whatever, that your your initial impression should be, well, did they do it? Like you have a an extra level of wanting to defend that. At least at one point I did before, maybe in the last last few years. And and that's something that I think has really been connected to some of the most recent um, the news items. Uh, in that people's response to them tend to fall into a number of different categories. Categories, but the one that I find most interesting and a little bit confusing is the uh, dismissal of the person's work. Where it's like, well, when it comes to Victor Salva, he was never very any good and very good anyway. So who cares if we never watch any of his movies again? While someone right. like pa- <laughs> someone like Polanski, it's like, well, you know what? I'm not a fan of Chinatown or Rosemary's Baby or uh, The Pianist or whatever, right? So who cares? Or, or Louis C.K. was never funny anyway. So who? Ca- I, mean, I feel like that's a really unhealthy way to respond to something like this, which is the the idea that only someone who is a bad artist can do bad things. Uh, why, yeah. why, and, and I think that we're, we're probably that's going to be less and less as more of these get revealed. Um, but that's something that you see. I mean, certainly with the Louis C.K. thing, you saw it so often. Just so many people. It's like, well, he was never funny. And it's just like, well, A, th- that's certainly down to personal preference. But but B, you know, there's many people, a significant number of people who would consider him probably the greatest stand up of this generation, like like a Richard Pryor-esque figure. And someone who, not even outside of the stand-up game, you know, he kind of revolutionized how a comedian uh, interacted with television. I mean, Louis is is really uh, an amazing television series, but it's all tainted. I mean, you can, in my mind, toss it. It's gone, right? I mean, I don't mean actually literally throw it in the garbage, but for <laughs> me, I can't actually consume that anymore, any of it, because so much of that is tied into him as a person. And I think that's another yeah. thing that we can probably talk about, which is, the, the the type of art which is um, which has a lot of deeper personal connection to the person creating it, like a Woody Allen, uh, and even Roman Polanski, uh, you know, an auteur-esque uh, creator, compared to someone like Victor Salva, who you don't necessarily see his uh, perspectives in his work, but now you can't even disconnect that. If you watch Jeepers Creepers 3, I mean, again, I'm only going from what I read, that there are actual, you know, reflections of the kind of uh, of actions he did in real life, I, I don't know how anyone saw Powder in 1995 and didn't think, Jesus, they let this guy make this fucking movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Jeepers Creepers 1, I mean, is all about a crusty old creature lusting after parts of a young boy. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of times people do that, though, because... <sighs> When you have someone that you're attached to via entertainment, you know, I've like, let's take in my case, like Bruce Campbell. Sure. Right. If something happened with Bruce Campbell, it's like, oh, my God, I've he's been a part of my entertainment life since I was like 13. You know, surely not Bruce Campbell. And it's a lot easier to make excuses or to trash their work and say, well, that I never liked him anyway and, and sure. things like that than it is to admit to yourself that yes this you know actor has been a you know a source of entertainment for me for so long than it is to admit to themselves that you know you don't fucking know that person right yeah that's a great point actually they are actors you know it's hard to accept that you know you don't know them they you they may have had an impact in your life but you've not impacted theirs at all they you know they are strangers and 
I think that's psychologically quite difficult for a lot of people. I think that's a great point. I mean, it's, it's a very much a one-sided relationship. I mean, I've known a number of people who have had, you know, direct encounters with Bruce Campbell, and some of them have had incredibly positive experiences, and some of them have had very negative. And when I say negative, more in the lines of, you know, him not being that interested or a little rude or something like that to them. That's just how they interpreted it, right? I'm not talking about some of the higher level things that we're talking about today. But it's just like, you know, it it in terms of fandom, and I think that it would be safe to say that everyone on this call is a fan of something and has probably been influenced by that fandom to some extent. I mean, that's another thing that this year has kind of made very, very stark and very kind of plain, which is that um, you got to kill those idols, right? I mean, you got to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because because they're, it's not that it's coming for you. It's not coming for your nostalgia. But um, when it is that one sided relationship, when you really don't know that person, you just know the work that they've created. Look, tomorrow that accusation could come tomorrow. You could find out that that person that you've devoted a good chunk of your life to was just awful the whole time. I find this particularly difficult when it comes to musicians, because when I was a teenager in my early twenties, you know, the music really carries you through for me personally, it really carried me through that time period. Oh and yeah. Find, and you're so kind of emotionally connected to it that the idea of the person who has carried you through those dark times, those hard times, those sad times, that there's something so, uh, incredibly flawed about that person that you can't even listen to that music anymore. That's all. That's kind of a scary proposition. And I mean, that that continues on to films and and TV and comedy and all sorts of other areas. But it's, it's scary to think about. I mean, again, if someone like like I, I I grew up as a teenager in my early twenties, I listened to Billy Bragg nonstop. My favorite musician, someone I have a lot of respect for, really shaped a lot of my politics, shaped a lot of uh, the way that I saw relationships. I mean, really kind of incontrovertibly uh, connected with my entire personality. If tomorrow you find out that he did this horrible thing, well, where does that leave you, right? And it well, just... exactly, because people, I think there's a part of everyone that thinks, well, I enjoyed this and it was made by this person that's a horrible human mm. being. Does that mean that I'm right. a horrible human being, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're, that's right. And how much of me that I've taken from that art and, and brought into myself, you know, are parts of that behavior, parts of that perspective, is that in me as well? I mean, I think of it, it's not really the equivalent, but I also, you know, you think about those artists that made a strong right-wing political turn, right? We're also, we're always, you know, you, maybe you didn't know much about their politics, like a James Woods or, or, or David <laughs> Mamet, right? James Woods was coming up. <laughs> yeah, right? But I mean, there's so, look, again, and of course, there's been accusations against him on other levels as well, but just think about if he was your favorite actor. And I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that. James Woods is an incredible actor, and he's done so much amazing work, and he always seemed to be very funny as well, and like interviews and things like that. And then the more you learn about him and his personality, the more toxic he seems, and it's just like, well, can I go back and watch Videodrome? Can I go back and watch Digstown and separate the, the the shitty asshole that is at the core of this? Thankfully, he plays a lot of shitty assholes, so in some ways that enhances it. But I mean, it's it's just, <laughs> I I find that that uh, command that some people have that you should shut your brain off when watching certain movies that's never worked for me. I've always been a little offended by that even suggestion. But I mean, as I get older. It, it becomes less and less of an option, right? I can't disconnect myself from the world around me and I can't lose myself in movies when I know too much about the the people making them. Yeah, it's like 
I don't think I could ever watch an episode of the Cosby show again. Right. No, that's a great example. Cause, and I think it it, it has to do with how he is like, we're talking about the separate, the different levels, you know, if, if it's a producer, a director or an actor, and this is Cosby. I think he did the producing. He did a lot of the directing, but he's the main focus, and he's portraying himself as this happy-go-lucky, wonderful, awesome family man. You guys are around my age, right? Weren't there accusations back in the late '80s against him, and everybody just sort of blew it off? Oh, yep. absolutely. I mean, I mm-hmm. think the, the the common consensus at this point is that it was Hannibal Buress's comedy routine that referred to all of those accusations that kind of blew it wide open. But the fact, the reason that he made that routine is because everyone had already heard those accusations and just ignored them. So, I mean, just another one of those examples of it. It takes a male to speak out before female accusations get listened to. Uh, Damn it, guys. Come on. (laughs) Get it together, man. (laughs) You know, it, it, it does cause... I don't know if if you did this, Doug, and I I, I don't know if for you ladies, but you know when all when all this um, really caught on and more and more people were coming forward, I had to do a personal you know recollection inventory and see if I had ever done anything or at least oh yes you know um, and and the, th- and the thing is the things that things that in the climate of you growing up maybe words that you used and I mean that's I that's the thing I feel most embarrassed about in regards to my own youth and not even youth, you know, late 20s, oh, it's not late 20s, early 20s, late teens, a lot of the words I used back then and I didn't think of how they impacted on other people and um, the my lack of understanding of, say, uh, gender identity and things along those lines, where it's just like, how could I have been such an asshole for no good reason, you know? And why did I think that that was more important than someone's ability to feel safe and comfortable. And that's something that I deal with now on a daily basis. And honestly, I think that's healthy. I think it's healthy to look back on your own past and see the flaws in it and apologize for it. But, you know, when you have a, a leader of a country who's basically his, his, his defining attribute is an inability to apologize for anything, I feel like that that is uh, giving this impression to a lot of young men that apologizing makes you weak and to apologize makes you a weak person. And that to me, it's just, I, I can't, that doesn't align with, with my own personal politics or my personal uh, viewpoint of myself. And it just makes me feel more disconnected from a large chunk of the populace. Well, and the way he speaks out too is, you know, it's also telling women that they shouldn't expect an apology. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it just still amazes me the amount of women who support him. I, I guess I, I can't understand anybody. Well, except for Nazis supporting him. But um, <laughs> that would make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, sure. OK, no questions asked. I, I get where they're coming from with that. But uh, I, I forget who who wrote it, but what it was something like a child is molested every eight seconds in America. And they all just heard the president say that you don't matter and nothing will happen if you speak up in his well, Roy Moore may be a pedophile, but he's not a liberal. Yeah, that is so disturbing. I'm so glad I don't live in that state anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, is that for kids or young women or young men that have um, been a, or that are survivors of sexual assault, especially at a young age like that, there's a point in every survivor's life 
not okay i'm not going to say every because that's being presumptuous but in a lot of survivors lives where you do realize that you know oh god nobody gives a shit about this you know nobody cares i'm i'm just going to have to deal with this on my own and i'm going to have to get through this on my own and you know it's very rare that a sexual predator is given any sort of uh prison time or or severe penalties um i know that when i was sexually assaulted when i was eight years old my predator received three months probation <laughs> not even a, a time served kind of thing so there's a point in a lot especially those of us that are sort of 30 and over that were kids back in the 80s and the 90s and things like that because it was treated very differently back then sure. but to have that realization happen on such a high level it's just heartbreaking you know because it's one thing to think well i'm just in a shit town full of rednecks and nobody gives a shit then oh my god the entire country is actually like this because look at what our president just said yeah yeah and also, you know, actually, Darren, what, the grab him by the sorry, pussy so, thing? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. No, I was just going to say, when you asked before about your first realization of a celebrity and these sort of, of scandals, what I just connected from, from what was just said was it actually came before that, but it wasn't a celebrity. It was the Catholic Church, right? Oh, I mean, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And that's when you, you know, when you, your whole concept of yourself and your whole ideology is built on this thing and it's it's tainted so explicitly and also right from the top it's like where do you go from there and also and talk about no one caring right literally hiding the people who did it and letting them do it again and allowing and some you know some voices within that saying this is just the way it is this is just the way it is going to be and i mean how are you supposed to fight against something so powerful maybe that's why in some ways it's very heartening what we're seeing now not that it happened but that people are taking it seriously and that there's people out there who are saying that this is important to talk about and those voices are getting a little bit louder, which is just why I hope the momentum continues. But there's that voice in the back of my mind that's like, in six months, are we just going to shut up about it, right? Are we going to shut up about what happened, you know, what happened at the Alamo Draft House or what happened at Cinefamily and, and all of that that happened before the Weinstein thing, which again, in the community that we're in, you know, in the in the film community, in the greater film community, I mean, those abuses were occurring as well, and people were talking about it and just ignored. People were told it just didn't matter, or they were told to shut up, or they were told to keep it quiet. Uh, and and this happens on a huge scale and on a small scale. And right now, we're seeing it on these large scales, but it's still happening on those small scales every day. Well, and how long has the term casting couch been around? And it's yeah. just been accepted. It's just mm-hmm. been kind of that Ha ha ha. You know, it, it's just the expectation of if you're a young woman in Hollywood. That's what you got to do to, you know, for whatever, you know, to get your career going. And that's even uh, more subtly reinforced in a, a lot of film and television because Absolutely. What, hap- yeah, what happens when the character, the, the pretty young, fresh faced girl from Kansas goes to L.A. to make her way as an actress, but she's not willing to do that. What are we shown over and over again? She ends up waiting tables at some restaurant and living in a crappy apartment and just go into auditions and failing. She cannot achieve her dream because she's not willing to uh, lay down on the casting couch, you know. Yeah, and there's even porn 
casting couch porn and i don't even want to get and i i I know that's a separate discussion because porn is fantasy and it's hard to divine you know much of fantasy is based in more personal morality and that's a little bit more of a murky water than actual things people have actually done to actual people I think that yeah. nothing, it, you're right. right. You're absolutely right, Darren. But that's that's a really interesting point too, because a lot of those scenarios that, that are common in porn, right? Teacher, student, uh, boss, and secretary, right? I mean, these things are built around these power dynamics that, in reality, are are obscene. Right. Not that, not that pornography is obscene. Now. Very true. Very true. I mean, there there always has to be someone that is the well, to use BDSM terms, dominant, someone that's mm-hmm. a submissive. You need that that control and that power dynamic to really get off. <laughs> we, we've brought up musicians and we've brought up Hollywood and we were talking about, you know, when personal, you know, the, the, what if Bruce Campbell did something? Uh, I think I, the Al Franken. I think we need to talk about Al Franken. And, oh, yeah. Um, and he's, you know, he's Hollywood and he's DC, but... You know, I spent a lot of time and effort following him politically, and I I think there's a little bit of, there seems to be a bit of a difference in the way each person's political party reacts to allegations of uh, sure. sexual misconduct and sexual abuse. And I'm still, oh, yeah. um, I think yeah. I just saw yesterday or the day before that some more women have come forward about Franken. That's right. Mm-hmm. I see, yeah, I saw that yesterday, and it's been a it's been a bit of a roller coaster of emotions because the allega- the initial allegation happened, and you're just like, oh no, not Al Frank, really, dude, <laughs> you know. And then you have uh, a soldier from his um, the unit that was sort of protecting him come out and say, no, 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 that's not how it happened. It didn't happen like she said at all. And you're like, oh, okay, well, okay, then that's. I guess it didn't really happen that way after all. And then you have these new victims coming forward and it's just, oh, come on. You know? <laughs> yeah. But what, I, what I've noticed a lot is a lot of every conservative I've seen, all their posts were sort of, oh, well, what about the Democrat? What, you know, what about Al Franken? Where are the, the libtards you know, to say that he, he should lose, her job, lose his job and, and shit like that? And then you had the liberal people that were all, he should lose his job. He should he should resign and step down. So I don't know where these pe- magical people were that were defending him, but I saw I, none of it. I know? did. I'll admit that, and I, I most of the perspective from me was exactly what you just said. I did see, especially a few days in, a lot of left leaning people who were trying to discredit the accuser by showing her Playboy photos and uh, saying, you know, saying that she was a Trump supporter and, you know, trying to use that. What? It's, it's no, honestly, I mean, I saw that all, she all was, over kind of, I thought she had some sort of connection to Hannity. I read that at some point. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, again, the fact that we don't know, right. The fact that these right. kind of insidious things are being implanted in us to doubt what she is saying. Um, and even the fact that someone who else was there, might have disputed it, right? Because now we're in this political game where, you know, it, it would be very advantageous for us as I, I imagine left-leaning people to have someone as uh, generally powerful and sensible as Al Franken on our side. But so, you know, you want to give him more, I guess, not necessarily leeway, but you want to, if if he's being sort of railroaded, if, if these accusations are false, then you want to get to the bottom of that too. But you might be giving that a little bit more 
effort than you would if it was someone who you just actively disliked, right? Uh, like a oh, Donald, yeah. not like a Donald Trump because fuck him. But, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but but I mean, I did. I absolutely saw people, and even just as uh, as uh, recently as a couple of days ago, I saw a Facebook post by a friend of mine, which was from a. It was a quote from another woman who was basically, and again, I don't want to uh, misinterpret or misstate what was said, but the the gist of it was very much that the woman who was accusing Al Franken, that she was not assaulted, you know, that she was, she does not have the trauma of assault on her. And, and it seemed to be saying that because that incident wasn't, you know, explicit rape or, or the, the assault was uh, quote unquote lighter, that we shouldn't be taking it as seriously. But I mean, that's, you know, we you hear that that term slippery slope a lot, and most of the time it's fucking bullshit. But to me, it's like when you start categorizing what sexual assault is in regards to how women respond to. No, I shouldn't say just women. Certainly, any lots of people get assaulted that are not women. But since we're talking about these scenarios, that in this particular case, it's just like the woman was assaulted, you know, and and now other women have come forward. I mean that that. Oh, and also just to speak to what we're speaking of, the the letter of support that the the writers from SNL. Uh, gave to Al Franken that came out a few days ago. I mean, talk about an uh, 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 obvious targeted attempt to quiet people who are victims, right? I mean, this is, we believe yeah. him no matter what. We did not see this. We did not see this behavior. We did not see yeah. him say these things or do these things. So how could he have done it? Well, that's exactly the sort of thing that allowed Louis C.K. to get away with it, right? That's exactly the same thing that allowed Harvey Weinstein to get away with it. It's just separating the politics is just as hard as separating that kind of nostalgic feelings or separating those emotions that come with art that touched you emotionally, right? I mean, it's just, look, I wish Al Franken didn't do this because I think he can do a lot of good, but he did it. So fuck him. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And a little PSA for you listeners out there. If you're a socio-anarchist <laughs> like me, then you can hate the conservatives and the liberals. <laughs> 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 holding everybody equally accountable for their bullshit right, right. It's, it's a novel way. concept it's a novel <laughs> concept i think i think it's safe to say that the hypocrisy is stronger on the right uh, i mean that might just be the eyes that that i'm looking at it from and again I, it's also a canadian perspective but i'm also an ultra left-leaning canadian in a place that generally leans a little lefter than the u.s anyway but yeah it's uh it the, especially with the Roy Moore situation, which is just such a scummy, disgusting situation anyway. But every bit of support and defense that people lead to him is is every cliche you've ever read about about accusers being quieted and, and being ignored. And uh, and and even the idea that that it seems like there's increased attention on Donald Trump and what he has done and his accusers and his statements in the past. And it's just like, you know, again, it's that voice in your head that's like, well, this isn't going to go anywhere. Because the people who could make it go somewhere don't give a shit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, if I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but I remember the um, when his ex-wife accused him of spousal rape and battery. Absolutely. And you know, everybody rah-rahed about it for what a few months, and then it just went away. Yeah. You know, just magically, where did it go? Yeah. So I think that just as an American, you are. Um, it's not that you're conditioned, but yeah, I mean, I can't think of a better word for it. You're conditioned to understand that the rich and powerful can do whatever they want. They can get away with whatever they want. And the rest of us are 
you know, no one gives a shit. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, when I was sexually assaulted, that's one reason I never went to the police is I didn't think I'm like, I didn't have the money. I didn't think I was in a position where they would believe me, you know, and it was also related to the cops who, because I was gay and because of what had been said to me related to that during the rape, I knew and these cops, I didn't think they'd believe me. Maybe if I'd had money, I would have felt stronger, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because when you have money, you just have sort of a team of attorneys on standby ready to act as a bulldog in your defense. But when you don't have that, you're you're just on your own. You just feel completely and utterly helpless and alone. And shit like that is why. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, I heard too many stories, like, similar, where they're yeah. like, well, I had this that, you know, was not going in my favor. I thought, you know, the cops wouldn't believe me and I didn't have money. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have money plays into it. Yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I also, I also think there might be a generation of Americans who believe that there are these kind of endless numbers of flagrant, exaggerated lawsuits that are out there. Um, and maybe it goes back to the hot coffee McDonald's thing. But you just this. She had a legitimate claim. She did. I mean, that's what she I'm just about. Oh, more, more than a legitimate claim. More than, right? But I mean, that is because these power players have, have decided that that's the, the narrative that they want to push, which is that, look, look at all these ridiculous lawsuits, these, these false lawsuits that are out there that are, uh, that are full of false, you know, so the, the, the general mentality becomes, oh, there's false accusations happening all over the, the goddamn place. So this is just, this, this can be put in that same category, right? We can ignore this like we're ignoring that. But of course, when you see those facts, when you see the numbers and when you see, especially if you've seen that hot coffee documentary, which is just uh, overwhelmingly disgusting. Fantastic. It's fantastic, fantastic right? Fantastic documentary. I, I mean, disgusting in regards to what it's actually presenting. I mean, yeah. Uh, it, it really <laughs> that was that was quite an eye opener for me at the time because I just you know you you still to this day see people use that particular example as yeah. uh, as as someone you know taking advantage of oh, taking advantage of a multinational corporation or taking advantage <laughs> of the system, right? But the fact is, the system is what's taking advantage of these people. And it's oh, it's not allowing them to to certainly not finding justice. I mean, this is what this is really, I guess, all about at its core. But I mean, not even the accusation. Uh, we know that these these victims are, and I hate to use that word victims, but but those who are accusing, um, they're they're met with nothing but shit. And the best possible result from a lot of these accusations that we're seeing is that maybe some of these people's careers might be affected for a certain amount of time. And I mean, look, Kevin Spacey isn't going to jail, right? He's going to live comfortably, almost certainly for the rest of his life. I'd say when in 40 years they give him an honorary Oscar, he'll get a standing ovation, right? And we, you, deep down, I think we all, all know that that's how it's going to be. But I mean, isn't oh, yeah. that, that's sick, right? That's sick, but that's still how it's going to play out. Well, so you brought up a good, good point. Harvey Weinstein, been voted out of the Academy, been voted out of the Producers Guild, where do we where do we do we start going down the list of predators in the in the academy or whatever organizations and start booting them out? Where do we stop? Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's so fucking many of them. Absolutely, and and I I maybe but what's going to happen? Is yeah, it my going to make a difference? Yeah, well, I think that's a great 
point. And uh, I know that this is this kind of gets down to something that Darren that I hope I was hoping we were going to talk about, and I'm sure we will at some point, which is the idea that what are you as a consumer? What are you as a someone who takes in this art and appreciates it? What are you supposed to do? What's your response supposed to be to part of this? And in the wider landscape, what is the industry supposed to do about it? I mean, you know, obviously this attempts, you know, stronger attempts at parity regarding gender in regards to uh, the industry and talking about the film industry as a whole can only help in regards to this. But uh, in terms of what you were just uh, mentioning about, you know, you drum him out and where do you stop? And I say you stop when you hit bedrock and maybe you'll keep going after that as well. I don't care if you empty out that shit, right? I mean, you you just keep going because you're right. It's a double standard when you have Woody Allen in there and Harvey Weinstein out. So drum him out. And you know what? Maybe it means that a lot of our idols are dead. Maybe it means that we have to reflect on the past 100 years of filmmaking and the people that we've given – credit and and lauded and given uh, awards to they can take them away you know shove them away and embarrass them because there's no other the victims are not getting anything else these people are not going to jail they're not getting their riches taken away but the fact is the only thing we can do is stop them from doing this sort of thing again and stopping the next genera- generation of them doing this again and if you're giving them this example that you can make it into these halls of fame uh, by doing this, whether uh, you're an abuser or not, well, that's shitty. So I, I say, you know, I understand it, man. I've, I've, my boycott list is getting so high at this point that there's lots of movies that I just can't see. And that's just my personal opinion. I just can't do it. I just can't view these things because I can't separate myself. And the idea, even if it means that I'm taking money away from the people who had nothing to do with it, because it'll also put money in the pocket of someone who did, the idea that someone is fighting possibly in court against their accusers and I'm helping fund that lawsuit and, and working against those accusers and it makes me sick. I just can't do it anymore. And I understand that everyone has their own uh, a limit in regards to that. But to me, it's like, it's, uh, I used to think that I could separate myself from it, but at this point it's just not happening. I just can't do it anymore. You know, okay. This, this uh, getting onto the shallow end of the spectrum I mean, imagine, because it's so widespread, if every single actor, director, producer, whatever, was rooted out of Hollywood, um, obviously, the end goal is is some sort of justice for the victims. But can I just say on a side note, can you imagine how amazingly big the indie film scene would get? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it would, the indie film scene would absolutely blossom if that happened. <laughs> Hopefully. <clears throat> well, I also yeah. wish I wish I could believe that the indie scene wasn't as uh, tainted by this sort of actions Precisely. as the larger budgeted one. Yeah, because it's everywhere, unfortunately. It's unfortunately everywhere, it seems. I mean, the hope for me was always that eventually there would be enough sanity would prevail that would allow again, for more women to get uh, producing positions and directing positions and writing positions and acting positions in Hollywood, that those positions would eventually, it would start to even out a little bit. And I always hoped that that would come from just people realizing, of course, they have equally as much talent and and deserve this just as much. But instead, my hope now, because that obviously isn't happening, is that you drum these people out and because the eyes are on you right now, then you replace these positions with women and you replace these with uh, people who, you know, uh, have not had these opportunities before because of these exact sort of people, because they part of 
the reason that uh, that a lot of these abusers could get away with it is because the the kind of people who would give a shit were never close enough to them to have any impact on them. Uh, one of the things that uh, was touched on was the the independent film scene, and that was some some of the articles I'd been seeing the last few weeks. Is you know you don't have to be in Hollywood to make movies. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman has been uh, of Trauma Films for people who don't recognize the name. Uh, he's been uh, very Lloyd. very active in uh, what Trauma Trauma's pretty fucking punk rock. Not to say that shitty things oh, God, haven't yeah. happened in punk rock, but you know. <laughs> Yeah. The, the more equality that there is, the less of a chance there is for someone to be to abuse power. I I, think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think there's there's something to be said there. I mean, Lloyd himself was accused of groping someone during that exact kind of conversation that you were just talking about um, when he was. Uh, I think he was when Harry Knowles got uh, accused from uh, Harry Knowles made to cool news. He kind of oddly defended him at first. In a, in a kind of a very confusing manner. I don't think he, I think this is uh, something that happens to a lot of people, probably, I mean, certainly including myself at times, which is that your gut reaction to something gets out there into the world before all the facts are there. And then you find yourself supporting this gut reaction that, that if you had all that information at the beginning, you wouldn't have had that same reaction. Uh, I think that happens hopefully less and less to people as they get older. And Lloyd should have known better. But uh, within that conversation, when he was uh, making reference to social justice warriors and shit like that, that, that uh, he was accused of groping someone, I think, at some sort of convention at the time. But again, look at me. I'm, I'm, I don't even have all the details, though I do know the person who made that accusation. It, it just, I think that both what you're saying, Darren, makes a lot of sense, that the checks and balances may be a little bit better on the independent scene, but the very fact that what I'm saying right now might be coming as a surprise to the people listening to this shows that maybe it's not. And also, Lloyd does hold a unequal amount of power within that scene, right? Certainly in the, the trauma as a organization and business, he's the guy, and he's a white dude at the top, right? I mean, that it's kind of same old, same old. I was unaware of uh, who, the accusation against Lloyd. So, see, it's hard. It, I, I'm sure we're going to miss stuff because this is so rampant. And I feel like even though we as a people get upset at these violations, there is still some of that uh, residual desensitization that things will just pass you by. And, and you won't latch on to that knowledge or like, I think that's like what I only heard a passing thing about someone accusing uh, Sylvester Stallone a couple of days ago. I don't even know the details of it. Right. I mean, that's that's how quickly it's happening. I knew that it was trending for like 10 minutes on Twitter, but I know nothing else about it. <laughs> right. It's that's the, that's I think part of this whole just deluge is the fact that social media gets whatever bits and blurbs out there at such a pace you can't even keep up with it. Um, and it's become a, you know, and it's a platform for people who maybe 10, 20, whatever years ago didn't feel they had a platform because they felt, okay, I can only make X amount of noise. Twitter just starts an avalanche. Yeah. Oh, and Twitter. I think Twitter you, what, and YouTube have the most yeah, abusive yeah. comment sections. <laughs> oh, I can't read the comment sections on YouTube. It's no. Yeah. I just can't do it. It's so much 12-year-old rage. 
it's it's pretty brutal. So I try to avoid those. I have uh, I I avoid uh, comment sections underneath news stories that have to do with gender or race. I'll have conversations with somebody, you know, that has conflicting views to my own, but I definitely not going to spend a lot of time going through one sided of, of their bullshit without any chance of response or I mean, any more. How how much do people change each other's minds if they don't know each other? Right. I mean, that's a great point. Right. I mean, it's I feel like I've had so many useless arguments on not on just Twitter and YouTube, but certainly on Facebook as well. I mean, you you see something that is just so out there. It's so wrong. And and you just it's like you, you have to resist that urge to jump in and say, what are you fucking thinking? And then you 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 know, every once in a while you lose that battle and you dive in. And even if you are in there and you're making every great point and you are, you know, you, everything that they're saying back to you, you're like, no, this is why this is wrong. This is why this is wrong. Here's the facts. Here's, here's the figures. I mean, again, we're, we're living in a post fact and a post science and a po right. I mean, this, this post -truth. is truth. Yeah. Post truth. So it's just like, well, what it, you could give them the knowledge, you know, the, the statistics, you can give them the, 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 the surveys you can get you can give them all that information but you know as soon as you say that all news is fake then then you can just disregard anything and that means that you can make your own truth and i think that's a really dangerous place that a lot of people are in right now speaking of people who make their own truths we're going to pause for a second play some uh, <laughs> promos for some cool shows that i dig maybe a song or two and then get right back into the conversation and we'll be right back are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well, then join Vanessa and David as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on iTunes, and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter, at VDClinicPod, or email them at VDClinicPod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. And still, they just might be contagious. Get information or a pamphlet at most pharmacies or a health clinic. If you need help, see a doctor. Hello? Hello, who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Um, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Dan and Gav, yeah. That podcast was scary. I liked it. Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of a strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes, they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook... 
Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? Nothing Hurt is a short horror film that follows a young, terrified British soldier as he flees from the turmoil of war, only to come face to face with an altogether different kind of horror. Please go to crowdfunder.co.uk and Nothing Hurt to find out more information about how you can support us, even if you just share the page. Thank you very much. Okay. We are back to this avalanche of a discussion. I think I'd I'd thought about if I was going to pick a movie since I always pretend like we're going to talk about a movie when when we do this show <laughs> and it happens accidentally sometimes. Um I you know it, it's it's hard to pick what what would be the the kind of movie that would fit. You know, I had initially thought maybe Death to Smoochie. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you know with all that the seedy underbelly of the loss of innocence and the corruption so I, I thought about that and then of course you know I know uh, we were talking about Polanski earlier I don't know which of his his films would have been you know representative of that so I'm I'm glad you guys were cool with just having the, the, the discussion and not trying to anchor it to just one film but let's see we'll go with it, it uh, I forget who had asked me if we were going to do a film, but uh, did you have any films in mind if you were going to pick one that really maybe uh, uh, speaks out about sexual violence and sexual assault or that would be a good that would have been a good springboard for this sort of conversation? Uh, I spit on your grave in Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> We will be doing I Spit on Your Grave on here in the series that I do with my uh, wife on her watching movies that she has refused to watch. Um, oh, oh, poor lady. She volunteered. <laughs> I feel bad. You know, we started We started light. We started with Deliverance. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we, we've done... Uh, Speaking of sexual violence. Right. Um, but she ended up liking that movie generally. Uh, but, you know, we did Last House on the Left and uh, Devil's Rejects because she walked out on Devil's Rejects in the theater. Really? Yeah. Uh, we weren't dating at the time, but somebody had taken it, taken her to it on a date. And she's like, Not you know what? Not the best date movie. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, fuck this. I've got the new Harry Potter in my uh, in my in my bag. I'm going to go. Go sit in the lobby, have fun with your movie that I don't give a shit about. And she watched it all the way through, and she did not really change her opinion. She's like, yeah, that was still a waste of my time. Uh, Are you going to make her sit through Irreversible? Right. Uh, she brought that one up. So I think we're going to do that at some point after we do, like, Straw Dogs. How about a little sallow Serbian <laughs> film, um, <laughs> Martyrs, uh, Cannibal Holocaust, Quadruple Feature? 
<laughs> oh my god and a nice therapy session afterward yeah uh. <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah it's it's been rough you know i think we're gonna change it up and she's gonna make me watch some movies that i've refused to watch for different <laughs> kinds of reasons or that oh, i yeah i've gotta know huh <laughs> i've gotta know <laughs> what movies <laughs> what movies have i refused to watch yeah I actually don't know. Uh, other, uh, I have refused to watch Jeepers Creepers three. Fair enough. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised that anybody. Anytime I see somebody that posts on social media, oh, I saw Jeepers Creepers three. I stare at them as if they're some strange artifact. That, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. Nobody's seen that movie, and the ones that I've seen that have seen it said it sucked anyway. <laughs> I mean, actually, that goes back, Darren, to your idea behind doing this podcast. I think I was there when at least some of the spark regarding it happened. And it was in response to that conversation about Victor Salva. And it seemed like a lot of the conversations at that time. And again, this was a little while back now before a lot of these recent accusations happened. But those conversations seemed to inevitably turn into, OK, you're not going to watch Victor Salva movies. Well, what about Roman Polanski movies? Right. I mean, those two mm -hmm. things. It seemed like the defense of Victor Salva, if you can call it that. It wasn't these people saying that you should watch Jeepers Creepers. It's just that you're being a hypocrite if you put him in this category when you have this other person that you're not doing the same thing with. And I think that there's something to that conversation. However, my response was, yeah, no, fuck Roman Polanski, too. Right. right? I'm not going to watch his movies either. That's uh, when I, I knew I had to ask you on. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, it's hard not to take a very emotional stance in regards to it. I mean, what you were just asking, Darren, was there any movie that you could use as a jumping off point? I don't think so, because the structure that created a lot of movies allowed this to happen, right? The only movie that came to mind for me was Louis C.K.'s I Love You, Daddy, because think about what a slap in the face that is to everybody who was involved with these accusations, right? And, and not just his, to Woody Allen's as well. The, a movie that's so blatantly about something horrible that they basically had to take it out of circulation because you know it, it all it does is reflect badly on the uh, on the people who created it now but it shows that sort of confidence of uh of the of the the white male in hollywood that allowed them to not only get away with it but to preen in front of people and to basically gloat in their art and I mean, that to me, I mean, basically, I, I feel like Woody Allen for the last 20 years has just been gloating at the people that he has abused. Oh, uh, absolutely. And, and that is, you know, that to me is is as sickening as as his uh, as the incidents themselves. The fact that he pulls them through these things and, and not only does he do that, but then you have people, you know, uh, going on about how he's this amazing artist. And again, he is an amazing artist. I don't I don't disagree with that. He is an incredible talent and director and he he also you know molested his daughter and he also is a sick fuck and i don't think he should be able to make movies and see what's interesting about it is that if he were an author it would not be going this way mm. you know if you get an author and and some crazy shit comes out about then i mean their books are banned from libraries their books are banned from schools their books are banned all over the place but when you have a movie director it just carries on as normal they continue to work they continue to make money they continue to exploit you know the people they abused it's a very strange double standard i mean polanski's still where is he living now is it germany or france i thought it was france yeah. but i'm not 100 yeah. yeah somewhere where he can't be extradited 
Right, uh, right. But he's still making films. I mean, what was the last Polanski film that I believe I'm aware of was what the ninth, the ninth gate, the ninth circle. Venus the... and first was the last one. Yeah, it was the last mm. one. That's right. <laughs> the ninth gate was a long time <laughs> that was ago. A long time ago. <laughs> was it? That's like a, a decade. I think he's re- literally released, released maybe six or seven movies since then. Oh, geez, <laughs> see, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> I won't say I never watched Rosemary's baby again after uh, you know, I found out about the the shit he's done, but um, so yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm a bit I mean, behind of the times. <laughs> a lot of people support Roman Polanski, right? And 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 I'm looking right now at uh, an article from IndieWire from 2009. It's reporting about a hundred people uh, in the film community signing a Polanski petition. This is a a petition to allow him to return to the United States. Um, what the and, fuck? Oh, <laughs> Okay, yeah. uh, let's let's go through some of the names. Woody Allen, of course. <laughs> yeah, I am shocked. Pedro, John Hancock Pedro on that document. I mean, again, Pedro Almodovar is here. Wes Anderson, Aja Argento, Darren Aronofsky. Uh, I mean, there's a, Monica Bellucci. I mean, there's lots of respect. A lot of French names. Jonathan Demi, the late Jonathan Demi, is on the list. Uh, this, the fact is, people continue. Juan Carvajal is on this fucking list. I mean, That's this right. is. John Landis, Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, but just Landis. But I, but you know, it it, it shows the the sort of uh, um, mindset that exists in Hollywood, and also the amnesia that a lot of people have. I think of Kate Winslet, right? I mean, Kate Winslet has worked with Woody Allen and Roman Polanski. Uh, actually, has she worked with Woody Allen? I mean, she's worked with Roman Polanski, I think, a couple of times. Um, and she, I know she's worked with Woody Allen, but I didn't, th- didn't think Roman Polanski. Yeah, she did with that movie with uh, with John C. Riley from a few years back. Let me get the the name of it just to make sure that I'm not uh, making these these ridiculous accusations. Um, but, but just she's yeah. in the latest she's in the latest Woody Allen movie. Actually. Yeah, that's why that's I th- I thought that was the case. What's Which one's the latest Woody Allen? Is that Manhattan or is that older too? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so she was in Carnage from 2011 with John C. Riley, directed by Roman Polanski. Oh, okay, so, okay. so you know, and, and you know, she's obviously a very intelligent actress, right? When I see her in interviews, again, this is just this one-way relationship, and and she doesn't seem like the kind of person who would align herself with those kind of of people. But it's just, and I don't think she thinks of herself as someone who supports sexual abuse, right? I'm sure she doesn't. I'm sure that she's probably horrified at anyone kind of lumping her together with that. But people line up to work with Woody Allen, uh, right? People, uh, there's still lots of big name A-list celebrities who if Woody Allen called them tomorrow, they would jump to work with him, work with him for less than their usual rate. But, uh, you know, I think of what Griffin Newman said uh, for those who don't know, Griffin Newman is an actor. He's in the latest Tick series, and he's in Woody Allen's latest film, the Amazon, uh, I guess, it's TV series slash film. And then he he wrote a series of tweets on Twitter where basically he I think he donated his entire salary to Rain. He said he regretted it horribly ever doing it. Exactly the kind of reaction that you would kind of hope that a lot of these actors would have, you know. The, but but he did know about these accusations beforehand. He did it because he's Woody Allen. And I think that I think is is can be extended to a lot of the names that we're talking about. It's it's Harvey Weinstein. Of course, I'm going to work with him. It's it's Kevin Spacey. He's one of the most beloved actors in Hollywood, right? I'm I'm going to work with him. Ah, so what if he did that? Or so what if I heard that? I'm just going to do it anyway because I, nothing's ever going to come of it. So that that it comes down to 2017 being the year that something is coming of it. I just hope it 
it kind of resonates and I hope that it echoes throughout history going forward. And I wish I believe it could some lasting change rather than temporary rage. I just look, I 2017 either has to destroy everything and just like ground level it so we can build from it. Or it has to, you know, so damage all of the structures that we've come to rely on that we have to find kind of new pathways to maneuver around them. I, I kind of like the first option better, but I just don't feel like it's going to happen. <laughs> there's all there's always hope for now. Next year, we will seize the means of production. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I, I wanted to discuss in here is that common argument in the, you know, voting for your wallet. And I think we we've all said that it's we're talking about our personal our personal stances and how it works for us. Am I wrong in that, or is there... Uh... I've been judgy towards people. I mean, I'll... <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, will, I will in the future as well. However, for the purposes of this podcast, Darren, and to keep things simple, I'm speaking for myself. You know. I mean, I'm, jud- I'm judgy as hell, but anybody listening to this will probably never meet me in real life anyway, so... <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I still don't have any hate mail sent to my hate mail email address, so... I'm I'm waiting. I'm I'm curious what's going to be the thing. And maybe there's there's going to be somebody that's uh like a big uh a big fan of uh <laughs> piles of garbage and they'll uh, <laughs> they'll write in. But uh one one of the things that I did see coming up in a lot of the conversations is the whole well, if you don't pay for this, I mean there's a craft services person and a key grip and a cameraman and this and that and the other and as far as i know except for in indie films those people don't get any more money after the movie is made no No. that's generally the actors the director some of the actors people with good negotiate contract negotiations or you know that make the like the people that made uh what my big fat managers so it's more often than not when you do choose to boycott a movie it is more focused on the person with which you are angry Uh, you know there aren't as many innocent victims as there seems to be depicted in the boycotting of a film am i I am i wrong on that i guess no no i think you're i mean again i i i Sorry, I'm speaking too much as is, and I don't want to speak over people who's who are actively being affected by what's happening right there. But I I think you're exactly right. No, that's a very valid point uh, because, like I said, I mean I know Polanski's a piece of shit, and I will I haven't caught any of his stuff lately. But if I did, I wouldn't be fucking paying for it, right? Because I don't want him to get my money. P a uh, second PSA of tonight, listeners. Pirate Bay, Yar Har. <laughs> Darren, I did want to say one thing, and this goes back to something I mentioned earlier. That that argument that you were just mentioning, I heard that a lot in regards to Fantastic Fest this year, um, in regards to people boycotting it because of Devin Faraci and because of um, of the reaction to that and everything around that. And some people saying, well, you you can't boycott this festival because you're just going to be hurting people who were not involved with it at all. And I think they were right to a great extent in the sense that, yeah, there's going to be, you know, most of the people involved had nothing to do with that incident and uh, the cover up or the attempted cover up 
of the incident that led to all that kind of, of anger. But I also kind of felt it's like it's still the only power we have is to vote with our wallets, you know. And it's and and for the people who went there, they were still putting money in the pockets of the people who sheltered that abuser at the very least. And I think that that is one of those decisions that everyone has to make for themselves where that line is going to be. I'll, part of the defense was that, well, being there will allow us to have the conversations that that will push this forward and will stop it from happening again. But it's just like how how legitimate can those conversations be when they're in the framework created by the abuser or again or someone sheltering the abuser it's to me it, that's a really conflicting and confusing thing and i know that kind of goes off what we we're talking about but again to me that's at least in the the online film community that was where the match was struck for the most part it's it's in a family it was the alamo draft house it was Fantastic Fest, and it was Ain't It Cool News, and then the Harvey Weinstein thing came in the wake of it, and obviously eclipsed it. Probably the, for for those who were accused, probably the best thing that ever happened to them because everyone kind of moved on. But I haven't, right? I mean, that's still something that I kind of live with, and there's a lot of people I lost a lot of respect for in regards to how they responded to that because it felt like they were putting their experience and their enjoyment of this event over the the feelings of safety from other people, and that's something that still kind of bothers me. Yeah, it it's sort of like uh, we we've been we obviously for good reason uh, we talk about Weinstein a lot because I feel like there's a lot more known right now mm-hmm. about his cases and we had talked about Kevin Kevin Smith and different people doing different things and you talked about the guy from uh, the actor that worked with Woody Allen on the Amazon mm. uh, show and what Kevin Smith has right after the stuff about Weinstein was coming. I don't want to say coming to light because like we've said, I mean, there was a family guy episode making fun of Weinstein for fucking, you know, 10 years ago or something like that. Uh, But Kevin Smith is giving, said he's giving up all his royalties from all Weinstein productions and donating them to, I think rain and uh, some organization that sure promotes uh women in filmmaking and yeah. uh in what in clerks there's the contractors on the death star debate uh you know <laughs> excuse me i don't mean to interrupt but uh, what are you talking about the ending of return of the jedi my friend here is trying to convince me that any independent contractors who were working on the uncompleted death star were innocent victims when they were destroyed by the rebels well i'm a contractor myself i'm a roofer done and ready home improvements and speaking as a roofer, I can tell you a roofer's personal politics comes into play heavily when choosing jobs. Like when? Three weeks ago, I was offered a job up in the hills, beautiful house, tons of property, a simple reshingling job. They told me if I could finish it in one day, I would double my price. Then I realized whose house it was. Whose house was it? Dominic Bambino's. Babyface Bambino? The gangster? The same. The money was right, but the risk was too high. I knew who he was, and based on that, I turned the job over to a friend of mine. Based on personal politics. Right, and the next week, the Foresi family put a hit on Babyface's house. My friend was shot and killed. Didn't even finish reshingling. No way. I'm alive because I knew the risk involved in that particular client. My friend wasn't so lucky. Any contractor working on that Death Star knew the risk involved. If they got killed, it's their own fault. A roofer listens to this, not his wallet. You make your personal choices through your personal politics. And just because you're not doing the thing, working with the thing is 
in a way supporting it. And also you said you, you talked about Amazon. One of the things that I just found out uh, earlier today was that the person in charge of Amazon films. Yeah. Was what suspended and then quit mm-hmm. or, uh, over accusations of things that uh, he has done to a woman. I forget what she did in uh, man in the high castle. He said, he said to her, uh, he told an actress, he, uh, this is Roy Price, who was the head of Amazon Studios. He said to her, you will love my dick. Wow. Yeah, right? Okay. And so how, how tainted are all the projects that came out under him or the projects that never happened because people didn't, uh, didn't you know, didn't, love didn't react dick. like he wanted them to. Yeah, right? I'm curious how the one at Pixar went down. Yes. Oh, I hadn't heard about the one at Pixar. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like... So we don't know the details of it. This is John Lasseter from Pixar, who obviously was one of the architects of that as an organization. He directed Toy Story and A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Cars and Cars 2. And, uh, I mean, there's obviously more to come in regards to that, but he's already stepped down because because he knows what's coming. And, I mean, this, this goes yep. to what you were saying, Darren. It's just... There's a lot of people who are nervous right now, and that kind of makes me happy, right? Because they should be oh, nervous. Yeah. This is the first time that they felt like there was some consequence for that shit. And, man, I hope they, I hope they, the anxiety causes them an early grave because fuck them. Because a lot of them won't be, be revealed. It just won't happen, right? But at least we can get some comfort knowing that they feel like it could happen. Well, yeah. What's so good is to see it. I mean, you have this ripple effect in Hollywood but you've started seeing the effects outside of Hollywood. I mean, like, was the how many, what, tens, hundreds, thousands of farm workers and immigrant workers in California who were standing with the women in Hollywood saying they've had similar things happen to them, you know? Yeah, hotel workers to, also. And the hotel workers, too. I mean, it's, it's, you're seeing it now in multiple industries. And, I mean... Hopefully, they, you're going to start seeing some legitimate change and change that sticks. I mean, we'd like to see it more in, in Washington, too. I hope so. I hope we see something like that. Otherwise, we're just going to all have to pool our money together and get Keanu Reeves to John Wick everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a platform I can get behind. Uh, uh, I know we've been bouncing around chronologically, but not every story comes out, you know, chronologically. And I think I need to revise my thing about uh, Woody Allen being my introduction to that sort of thing was uh, my family really heavily followed the Anita Hill. Sure. uh, Oh, gosh. Yeah, that that whole thing was absolutely disgraceful. If you ever want to see, you know, what it looks like to vilify a victim. Oh my goodness. You just look no further than Anita Hill. They crucified her in the media. Joe Biden owes her the biggest apology. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh no, I, God. Darren, I was actually probably aware of that before the Hollywood stuff, but if you're talking Hollywood. Mm. Sure. Yeah, Woody know. Allen for Hollywood, uh, but real world or general world understanding yeah i remember i was having flashes of my family surprise surprise my family's very political um (laughs) (laughs) uh, but there was a lot of conversation and yeah the thing about joe biden i mean he was pretty not ruthless 
I, I might want to say, and yeah. Yeah. if if not careless, I mm-hmm. think, you know, there was definitely, because what, there were uh, witnesses, corroborating witnesses not allowed to testify. And I remember some of the, some of the questions were, I mean, I was pretty young, but I was just like, Jesus, the fuck are these, these people do? And, you know, Clarence, I mean, Clarence Thomas doesn't talk, but he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't been saying anything. Not anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that um, I think you're right. I think uh, the the small apology that Joe Biden did give didn't doesn't really speak to the gravity yeah. of what happened and the, the tone, the tone that it set. It doesn't ripple out. Right. That's what we're because that's one of the things I've been wondering is like how retroactive are we going to be getting now? Hey, we're in a window now in 2017 where people suddenly give a shit. Right. There's enough people who give a shit that an actual change can be made. So how far back does that go? Right. Can we take another look at Chris Brown or R. Kelly? Right. Can we take another look at David Bowie or John Lennon? Right. I mean, people who I mean, the 70s. Think about every band that had sex with an underage groupie and was using that power that they had to do that. Again, I'm not uh, condemning all groupies or anything along those lines. I'm just saying that this happened and and we just let it happen and we ignored it. In some some places they celebrated. If you read some of those. um autobiographies of a lot of these musicians they're almost proud of it but oh yeah but but now you know i mean we're we're, and and this isn't just i think some people ignore it or they use the excuse of oh it was different back then but it wasn't you know people knew it was wrong and did it anyway or they let it happen because of the power these people had so i mean how retroactive can we go back can we can we put these people in the perspective of 2017 and say clarence thomas you know you're a piece of shit you should not have the position that you have uh and 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 there's a lot of people who can go in that basket right like you're sean penn or whoever it's hard to to i i as long as i think the dialogue keeps keeps going i feel like there's more like we said if everybody forgets about it and moves on to the next what the fuck you know the next time that trump i've been joking lately that he's gonna declare war against the moon and i'm just <laughs> what distractions are going to come out or maybe i mean who knows maybe this could go further uh who knows what kind of shit uh um mueller is is un- uncovering sure. what was that roman emperor that made his troops whip the sea that wasn't caligula <laughs> was it that's the first one that always was it comes caligula? to mind any I, crazy shit, I automatically think Caligula, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. But that's that's what I'm expecting. Shit, I think of <laughs> Caligula. That's that's the that's what I think of when I think of Trump. At any minute, he'll march us all to battle and be like, "Oh, there's not actually a battle. Just bomb the shit out of the sea." <laughs> he starts. He gets in a Twitter feud with Poseidon, and suddenly we're all just marching into the water. No, no, no. He gets confused, thinking it's Neptune and it's really Poseidon. He just loses his mind. Poseidon I mean, I was, is loser. He's I said earlier that, loser. that 2017, that what's happening is sort of good, but it's also moving in the other direction with some subsections of the populace, right? Because I used to think pedophilia was at least one of those things where we could all agree that this is bad, <laughs> right? And like, what's going on that, with this shit? Pedophilia right, like, like that's the line, this? right? 
What and the like, shit is going on? And like we can drum <laughs> Gary Glitter yeah. out of the music industry because he was a pedophile. And it's like, well, now he's gone and no one respects him and you can't listen to his music and fuck him, right? Yeah. Or Rolf Harris or um, or Jimmy Seville or something like that. Or, you know, people who it's like their entire legacy has been tainted. But now, I mean, those goalposts are being shifted every single day. And it makes you really worry about what the next thing is right when the next republican senator who gets caught fucking a corpse and it's just like well you know he did it when he was 25 so it doesn't really matter that he's been basically abusing prisoners for the past 20 years let bygones be bygones the the witnesses that we've the witnesses that we've threatened harassed and coerced into silence aren't saying anything so why are you oh it's just locker room talk I didn't talk like that in the fucking locker room. I remember that. I've never fucking, I've never fucking heard anybody talk like about raping someone in a locker room. And I find out a lot of locker rooms. I get bored and I just sort of wander in. (laughs) (laughs) People never talk about that shit in there. (laughs) Excuses, excuses. It's a, it's, it's sort of like its own form of whataboutism. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, this is bad, but this other thing could be worse if you think about it. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of our discussion is centered on that exact same thing. It's like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? It's like, yeah, let's talk about all of them. Let's let's talk about it. But it's just like some people want to say, what about this? So you'll just forget about the first thing as opposed to talking about all of the things. <laughs> There's some bad hombres and they're not good. <laughs> it's It's a hard thing to talk about because it seems like people either want to ignore it or... Uh, the people that will talk as you know, people like us, we all generally agree. So it sometimes it feels like how much progress can get done when the people that need to do more work don't give a fuck. Well, exactly. It's like that quote, you know, nonviolence only works when your opponent has a conscience. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we can we can talk, we can talk, we can talk, we can yell, we can scream. But the reality is, is that the people that matter aren't going to listen unless radical action is taken. I'm not advocating radical action. I'm just advocating radical action. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still mostly an optimist, so I I'm afraid that nothing will happen, but. I don't believe that nothing will happen just yet. Does that make any sense? Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Wouldn't it be absolutely hilarious if if all 50 states legalized and then America just ended up completely chilling out? Like, actually, why are we so mad? Oh, this is nice. pointless. Let's just get a lot of barbecue. Let's do a barbecue instead of this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Darren, what should we do to help? You and I, I mean, I mean, we're not powerful people. I mean, you might be more powerful than I am, Darren. I don't know much about your personal <laughs> life. But certainly there's something we can do in our everyday lives that can at least support the people who are who are the, the victims of this action and not support the people who are perpetrating the action. I mean, what are the steps that people should do? And I think that for everyone, that's a little bit different, right? But I want to pull back the goalposts and I want to hold that line. But I also know there's a lot of people working against me in regards to that. So, you know, it, you know I, I think you want to get involved with your local organizations that help support people who have had these actions uh, done to them uh, and people who are who need that support. You need to voice it. You need to call out the toxic behavior that you see. But uh, in regards to these larger scale issues, right, where there's people with unlimited sums of money and seemingly unlimited power, it, it can be a little distressing. It can be really disheartening to think about. It's like, well, who am I 
up against that? Well, you're nobody until you align yourself with other people, right? And I think that voicing it and getting together with people and talking about it, just like we're doing right now, is I think a really positive step. Yeah, I think I think so. I think there's that, and I think there is a lot more value in calling out the people you know. That I mean, still call out strangers. I know I've I've talked to a few guys on the bus that I've seen. Um, but calling out people, you know, I think is even more effective because it matters more to them. And, um, you know, saying stuff like, Hey man, that's not cool. Or, you know, that, that was her idea. Or I, I, uh, I read a pretty cool article in bitch the other day where there, there was like, Hey, (laughs) Hey guys, here's a list of shit you can do. And if I can find it, I'll, I'll post that in the, uh, the show's uh, Facebook group, but it is you know, be aware of your role as a global citizen and mm-hmm. not think that someone else will deal with it. Speak out against the shit you see in front of your, in front of you. And I, like I always do, I, I ask all the women in my life, what, what can I do mm-hmm. uh, to be more helpful? Because it, I, you know, I'm a, I'm not oppressed. I do not know what it's like to be, you know, in the shoes of a minority or um, someone that's generally marginalized. I mean, if I'm not a rich person, so we, we've talked about the separation between the class, the classes and everything like that. But um, I don't know, ladies, what can we do? Uh, is there anything you need your friends to be more aware of? I think as men, um, you know, well, first of all, you touched on a really good one already. Call out your friends. Call out the people you know, the people around you that are acting in this way. Do not let it slide. Don't laugh it off. Because until that happens, until they know that it's unacceptable, you know, it's just going to continue. Also, um, and this is a bit of a tricky one, but... If you are a a man and you have a female friend that has been assaulted and feels the need to uh, you know to open up to you in some way or or whatever, the best thing you can do is just listen. Don't sit there and tell her you know oh do this try this blah blah blah. Just listen because you know the fact that she's talking to you is is you know that means quite a lot. So just listen. Um, if you listening out there are in the UK and you have been a victim of sexual assault, find your local rape crisis center. They are absolutely wonderful people. They will not disclose any records of any sessions that you have to the police or anybody else without your consent, regardless of a court order. Um, if you choose to go to court, they will support you through the court process and uh, really are just wonderful wonderful people. Um, Also, if you need counseling, there's the Steps for Change program that you can find online, and you can self-refer for counseling there as well, and get the ball rolling if you feel you need help in any way. Um, Vanessa, do you have any any other ones? I can't think of any more for... I'm unprepared. I can't... (laughs) I didn't come (laughs) offhand right now. Well, Um, anybody send me anything that they think of, and I'll put them in the show notes, and I'll... And and share them. uh, I think everybody besides you, Doug, is in the Facebook group. Uh, Share share them uh, among the group. 
Ah, get it together, Doug. Come on, man. <laughs> I get invited into a lot of stuff that I don't want to be in, but I'm going to join this group, Darren, simply because I like you and everyone involved right now so much. I do say the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is that if you do have a little extra money, you could probably put it towards some very useful causes. Yeah, and and I, I think, I mean, everybody, what everybody has hit on is br- just the just bringing up this conversation and calling out shitty behavior. I mean, you could you can apply that to so many different things in life right now. There is a lot of shitty behavior going on with people, and especially when you're talking about like sexual harassment and sexual assault. I mean, it's, it's and especially yes, if it is a friend to hear being called out by another friend for being, you know, displaying whatever bad behavior that think that has a bigger impact than just calling out a total stranger. But I don't, I still encourage calling out a total stranger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally, I'm all for that. Yeah. That, that I still has its some, merits. I think some people were saying over the last couple of days, I know that it's been Thanksgiving in the U S and there's been some discussion over whether, you know, some people are saying, I'm just not going to go home because my family members are, are, you know, toxic and terrible and have these reprehensible views. And some a, a very sensible response to that, I, I heard from a number of people were like, no, this is where you can do some good. Yeah. This is where the conversations can happen. We are relying on you to go home and speak your mind and speak against it. And, ha- you know, and like you were saying earlier, Darren, look, that stranger on the bus, maybe they're not listening then. Maybe they'll listen later. Maybe they won't. Maybe the impact you can have on them is very minimal. But your family, I mean, you have an in there already, so maybe you can make that change that you can't make, you know, on the subway. Even if it's just a baby step, that's a step. Mm. I mean, that you have to at least try. And you can do it so that you're not, like, provoking someone. Obviously, there are some people who just refuse to listen. We all know that, but... So you do still have to pick and choose your battles. But just fucking try. <laughs> yeah, because even even if they even if they don't listen to you, if everyone yeah. does it, then you know the next twenty people also tell them, you know, you're a fucking asshole, man. Yeah. And it, eventually, it might sink in. <laughs> or just like f- get them started thinking about something on their own. Yeah. Even if they end the conversation screaming and yelling at you, you might have gotten them thinking nonetheless. Yeah, you know, they could be thinking two hours later about that comeback they didn't. They didn't come up with. So it's like stuck in their head longer than, you know, when you walked away, just thinking, what a fuck. Sure. Unless they're a Nazi, then you can just go ahead and kick him in the head right off the bat. That is another thing that is uh, hotly debated is to punch or not to punch a Nazi. To punch, my friend, to punch. I'm going to put my vote in the to punch uh, side of the equation. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I don't advocate violence. However... When you're talking about a Nazi, I'll make the exception. Absolutely. It's not, I mean, yes, it's violence, but really it's self-defense. I mean, they're advocating genocide. Oh, no, no, it is absolutely self-defense and defense of people I care about and people around me. Really, there aren't any Nazis anymore because Nazis are a very specific thing to to 1940s Germany and and America and all these other places. Uh, Hey, what happened to Darren? Who's this new character we've got here on the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) And Darren, last time you and I, last time I was on here, we were talking Nazis. Yes, Green Room. Always comes back to the fucking Nazis. I'm pro-Green Room, anti-Nazi. Yes. <laughs> right. 
Good. Yeah. Anyone that's advocating for genocide. I'm sorry. You got to be punched. Taking a hard stance there, Darren. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, I'm taking I a hard it. stance like uh, Wolfenstein too. Nazis <laughs> suck. I couldn't believe that. Wolfenstein, the whole point of Wolfenstein is to kill Nazis. And it always has been it the whole point of Wolfenstein. <laughs> you don't punch them, they're going to get those giant mechanical suits, and then where are we going to be? Yeah, super fun. Right? And it is very cathartic to spend about a half <laughs> hour, an hour a night sh- just shooting all the Nazis everywhere in America. <laughs> uh, it's... It's very it's yeah. Good therapy. Good you know, therapy. You get the hatchet takedowns and <laughs> two thumbs up killing Nazis. <laughs> uh, ten out of ten. Yeah, ten out of ten crushed Nazi skulls. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just great. Like I didn't know that there was a line between are pedophiles good, are Nazis good. Just I didn't think we'd be having these conversations in my lifetime anymore. <laughs> I thought we'd moved past them. Yeah, well, it's that quintessential picture of that woman that's probably in her 60s standing at a protest holding a sign that says, I cannot believe I still have to protest this shit. (laughs) (laughs) It should have been settled long ago. And it was. Do you remember a time when we could talk shit about Nazis and the only people that would get offended were like two guys in Kansas that lived on a compound, you know, (laughs) And, and that was literally it. You know. And they just kept to themselves. Yeah, they were afraid to go out at night, you know. Ugh. Yeah. What's uh, happened? <laughs> that system of power built around it from the inception of America with the all men are created equal written by slave owners sort of thing. It is flailing to not lose power. And hopefully all this extra flailing means that the decline is looming sooner. Their decline, not ours, because right now it just feels like it's all of our declines. Um, yeah. When I first started this show, I thought it would be more, uh, when I started planning this show, I thought it was going to be more of a broader issues like this. And I know we get into it in, in different episodes, but I mean, I really think that Trump happening really amplified. I mean, I could probably do this show every other day and there would be new appalling things to talk about. And that won't oh, go away yeah. when Trump goes away. He is a symptom of the lar- of a larger problem. And there's, n- I mean, in other countries, there are, it's weird to be an American and think about other countries, but. Uh... <laughs> Come on, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, but I try. We try, Vanessa. I know. You know. We try. Believe us, Canada and UK. And uh, <laughs> last time I looked at the stats, uh, you know, there's one person in Russia listens to the show. Hi, Putin. <laughs> How are you doing? Um, <laughs> a lot of horrible people are in power. And yeah, I, I want to thank you guys, you folks, for uh, starting this dialogue over here and i i mean you've you're all here because i really value your opinions and i value your intellects and i like what i've and the conversations we've had off mic i i thought this would be a really good start we didn't even cover everything and there's still more shit to happen i mean uma thurman just came out against weinstein uh you'd said that uh aja argento signed the the letter hoping for 
leniency for Polanski, and she's had her uh, stories about Weinstein and um, what what uh, Rose McGowan, I believe, has been saying the shit forever, and basically what? she, she kind of lost her career. A lot of people have Rose McGowan, uh, Corey Feldman, Drew Barrymore. Uh, Courtney Love, as much as I hate her, but, you know, <laughs> she was one as well. But there there have been so many people that have been talking about this for 20 years. And just no one took it seriously until now. But luckily, they're taking it seriously now. So we can have this dialogue that's long overdue. <laughs> um, Your next Brian Singer. You all have an open invitation to come back. And get a hold of me next time you feel like uh, we need to have another one of these these conversations. But before we wrap up and final statements and whatnot, uh, why don't you uh, tell us all, because I listen to these, so I want to include myself in the <laughs> audience, where to find your other artistic outputs? Um, Doug first, and we'll finish off with the ladies. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-E. Why? Uh, you can find my two shows, No Budget Nightmares, about uh, micro-budget and ultra-low-budget filmmaking and films over at NoBudgetPodcast.com. And the lauded Eric Roberts is the fucking man over at EricRobertsIsTheMan.com. We, of course, just recently got back from the Cinepocalypse Film Festival in Chicago, where uh, after 62 episodes, we got to sit down and talk to Eric Roberts. So uh, go over to EricRobertsIsTheMan.com and check that out right now. Great. Um, let's see. Vanessa, Missy, you can go last because this is your first appearance on here and you're a woman and I'm giving you special treatment over Doug, who is also having his first <laughs> appearance on this show. I agree with this. <laughs> I just get stuck in the middle because I've been here before. <laughs> you're the regular. <laughs> um, I'm on the VD Clinic podcast. Um, we're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Um, you, we have a Facebook group, VD uh, Clinic Podcast. We're on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. And we have an email address at VD Clinic, the, the, the VD Clinic Pod at gmail.com. And we cover uh, a book and a movie uh, every episode. And Darren has been there before and actually will be on again. Yes. Spoiler. Yes. <laughs> I've got the book. I haven't started reading it yet. Okay. That's okay. You have time. You slacker. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, my podcast is on hiatus at the moment, but we should be back really soon. Um, my husband did all the editing for us, and obviously his schedule is a lot better busier the past few months so he's not been able to do it so i'm trying to teach myself <laughs> so as soon as i get it down we'll be back um but i have uh, the black anis podcast which is on the legion podcast network as well uh we basically get absolutely shit-faced and talk about horror movies i have a another podcast that is upcoming it's not been dropped yet uh, called Legion After Dark. It's also going to be on the Legion Podcast Network. And I, it's a solo podcast where I review a movie or a book of the BDSM genre. Uh, but not Fifty Shades, because I don't want to sit through that shit. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't really count, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but we should be dropping soon. The first movie I'm going to be doing on the first episode is Preaching to the Perverted. So if there's any fans out there, feel free and join me. Uh, Twitter is Misty underscore Kitty. That's M-Y-S-T-I-E underscore K-I-T-T-Y. Uh, we had a Black Anus one, but I never keep up with it. So just <laughs> do my personal one. <laughs> uh, and obviously we have a Black Anus Facebook group. And yeah, that's about, I'd give you my email address, but we never, ever, ever check it. So <laughs> just message me on Facebook. I will never see it if you email me. <laughs> Does anybody have anything they'd like to add before we say goodbye for now? Well, what were, what were the PSAs for tonight? Uh, Pirate Bay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pirate Bay and socio-anarchism. Go kids. <laughs> and don't keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Be that loud, obnoxious pain in the ass that your mom said you shouldn't be. Don't let them get you to the second location. Duck and cover. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> Only you can prevent fascist liars. Oh, um, I like that one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thanks, thanks again, everybody, for listening, and thanks to you all for taking the time to sit down and talk about this mess of a <laughs> just yeah, this this mess. So until next time, everybody. I'm sounding very official right now. Um, <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hope that was as good for everybody as it was for me. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you checking on your partner. I really enjoy hearing that. <laughs> <laughs>